time and do so for those that are that are saved and uh, and and we're living in a church age of grace. Uh, it is packed with doctrinal truths, and not only dealing with justification, but it's also dealing with personal sanctification. How are we to live this Christian life to the fullest and for the glory of God? You need to read that Romans uh, chapter six. Uh, I want to preach this message that deals with one of the greatest problems. Uh, that plagues everyone sitting here this morning. From the Christian that are preaching to you this morning to every Christian that is sitting next beside you, this is one of the greatest problems that you battle, that you'll ever have experience in your Christian walk. This is the problem that we need to deal with this morning. Verse number 1, let us stand in verse 1, chapter 6. Uh, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Let me say this. Grace does not give us a license to sin, but grace gives us the life and liberty not to sin. And when he says, and God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin have any longer their sin? Go down to verse number, uh, go to verse number 7. For he that is dead from sin. You've never seen a dead man lust. You, you've never seen a dead man covet. You've never seen a dead man cheat. You've never seen a dead man steal or take God's name in vain. You've never seen a dead man do that. He is dead. Now that if we... Be dead with Christ, we live, believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more, death have no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He that liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise, likewise, reckon ye yourselves also to, the dead, to be dead indeed into, unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto the sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you this morning, for Lord, for all that you do. We thank you for your mercy and your grace and love, Father. Father, we know that there are those who are facing difficulties in life. We know that those who are facing challenges in their life that's ahead of them. But God, we know that we come to you and trust in you and believe in you. You'll give us the peace that we need, Father. Father, I ask you to speak to hearts this morning. Encourage them in the words that be said. And empty me of self and fill me of thy spirit. May I only say the words that you want me to say this morning, Father. And I'll praise you for that. And Lord, we give you the praise in everything that we do this morning. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, these are two chapters that Paul wrote to uh, use as back-to-back illustrations of this great struggle of the Christian life. And I, I don't have time to read all of chapter 6 or all of chapter 7. Uh, and you'll find that Peter uses these two chapters to highlight this greatest struggle 
uh, Christian struggle that you and I have, this Christian battle that we have. You say, I, I know the greatest uh, battle that I have in my life, the, the greatest enemy in my life, uh, in my life is the devil. And I can say that that is not true this morning. Uh, I will say that, that uh, there are there's nobody that hates you more than the devil this morning. Uh, uh, the, but the devil is not the biggest source of the hindrance in your life this morning. Uh, in life, uh, he's here this morning. I believe that uh, the devil does hinder uh, uh, the child of God. I believe the devil does uh, uh, sidetrack us from the, what God is wanting us to do. Uh, he tries to draw us away from the plan of God. Uh, and he tries to mess up everything that God wants to do in your life life and, and we give the blame to the devil on a lot of things uh, that he has not done in our life this morning we give him credit for things that we should not give to him you say well I, I know the biggest struggle an enemy I have and it's that the world out there we talk about the world all the time uh, the world's this and the world's that and we see what's going on in this world uh, and the worldly people that love the world and what they're doing in the society today, how the world influences people today. We see that in the world today. The worldly voices that keeps coming at us uh, and saying that this is the way you should go. Uh, uh, it's the, the worldly preachers that's drawing people away from the plan of God. And the truth is Christians do not fight the world. There's no doubt about it. You get up in the morning, you have to face this world. You go through all the struggles that you have to go through in this world. We have to fight the world. We have to fight the devil. But I submit to you this morning that they're not the biggest battles or the biggest enemy that you have this morning. The biggest enemy, the biggest battle that you have this morning is the one that you see standing in front of the mirror. The one that you look at every day. It's your own flesh that you have to deal with. I know that nobody wants to hear this, that you are your biggest problem. The reason why? Because we think highly of ourselves. Uh, we think that we're something that we're not. Uh, we've got ourselves standing on a pedestal, and I can't be like that. Your biggest problem is you and when you get down close to our flesh we will say it's not my flesh <laughs> we, we like to blame others or is that woman God you gave me oh God is that man you made me marry we, 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 we don't want to accept the responsibility that is our flesh. We like to point out that I will say this, there's no doubt that the devil and the world this morning will use your flesh against you this morning. It will try to use you. It will try to infect yourself uh, this morning. The devil ha has a man on his inside. Uh, the devil has something inside of you, each and every one of you this morning. If you're saved, you're an old man that's still living on the inside of you this this morning and he's still living and he's still breathing on the inside of you this morning the only way that you can act is what he wants you to do but as a child of God you don't have to act like that 
You don't have to be what the old man wants you to be. You don't have to live like that anymore. You've got a new nature, the Bible tells us, that's moved on the inside of you. And when he got saved, when you got saved, that, that new nature moved on the inside of you. But Paul also tells us there is a struggle daily between the old nature and the new nature. Paul said this about the flesh, I am taking the one that wrote the most, most of the New Testament, Paul, one that and you see the, the greatness of God in his life and how he served God. And Paul said, uh, my flesh in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Now Paul said that about his flesh, that no good thing dwelleth. You're looking at one messed up dude. I'm telling you. I don't put myself on the same plane with Paul. I don't even put myself on the same level. I'm not even worthy to look at Paul and say I'm like him. But Paul said there's no good thing that dwelleth in my flesh. Paul said we put no confidence in the flesh. Listen, I don't trust me as far as I can throw myself across this pulpit. I don't. And if you trust in your flesh, you put your trust in the wrong thing this morning. The biggest sin that John highlights are sins of the flesh. And John, uh, 1 John chapter 2, it says, For all that is the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It's not the Father, but it is of the world. He's telling us, he listened to sin. It's the flesh that you Do you realize this morning, when you read the Ten Commandments, eight of them deal with the flesh. Eight of them deal with the flesh. And you think God knows something about us, and he does. He knows a lot about us. Paul said, I am trying to live for God. The things that I would do, those things that I don't do, those things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. He said, I'm walking around daily, and I got this corpse tied my back. You know, Paul, we know, understand, Paul is from Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus, and it's unique on the way they dealt with capital punishment and where he was from. Uh, you would think they would take somebody who murdered somebody, they'd take them out and execute them and get it over with. That ain't the way they did it in Tarsus. What they did, uh, if they found you guilty, and what they would do, they would take that person that you killed and they would strap it to your back and put you in a cell and lock you up. So basically what you're doing, that person you killed, you're walking with that person, dead person on your back. And what happens is when that person starts to decay and, and disease, and it starts getting into your body. And next thing you know, the person that you killed is now literally killing you. And Paul says, I walk around daily with this old man on my back. And let me just say this. Every one of us has that old man. And that old man is wanting to kill you. That old man wants to disease you. It wants to get rid of you. Don't let the old man get a hold of you. 
Paul says, I, I won't get rid of it. Paul says, the flesh is like an unstrained kid. Un, it, it kid just runs wild. It does what it wants to do. And you see these kids uh, uptown a lot. If you go to stores, you see these kids, they just running crazy, running and rampant and everything else. And mom and daddy are not doing anything. They're just standing there because they don't want to deal with it. Paul says that's the way this flesh is. It will run rampant if you don't bring it under control. Paul says, hey, your flesh is your biggest enemy. Your flesh is your biggest problem. And you can deal with it by what the scriptures tells us. Paul gives us three requirements before I get in the message. I told you I want to stay here for a little bit light of the day. I'm trying to get all this on. But Paul gives us three requirements that he says that if we do this, it will help us to overcome this flesh that we live in. He said, look at verse number 11 here. Look at verse number 11. He said, Likewise reckon ye, self, ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Paul said, there's got to be some reckoning to happen in your life. That word reckoning is an accounting term. It, it means that you have set something that is so. You have set it. It's right. This is what you believe in. If you ever go to a, 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 a gas station and you know you've uh, looked at your bank account and you've got so much money in your bank account, let's say $50, that's more than I got, so I'll say $50, so I think I'm good. But you, you, you reckon yourself that you got $50 in, in your bank account and you go to the gas station, you start pumping gas and all of a sudden it stops at 37 and won't let you put no more in. Because what your card says, no, you ain't got $50 in there. You only got $37 in there. But what you're saying is, if you got $50 in it, you've reckoned it, you made sure that what you have is in the bank, that when you go to do something, you know exactly what you got. And Paul says there's got to be a reckoning in our life. We've got to be dead to the old man, dead to this flesh. Some of us live a little dangerously in our Christian walk. We know exactly how much we have in the bank, but we should go out and try to get more. If that is, is I'm the only one that's ever happened to I'm telling you. We live on the dangerous edge. Uh, uh, we know exactly, but we said, hey, I, I try to go beyond that. And Paul said, hey, the flesh is something that you need to get in control. You've got to reckon that you're dead to sin. Uh, don't let the old man uh, pull you out and say, hey, uh, don't worry about it. You can do this and you can do that. I see this in churches all the time that people say, hey, uh, I, I'm, a dead, uh, I'm a Christian, but yet their lifestyle is living that of a sinner and that of a dead man. Paul says, no. You've got to have some reckoning in your life. We've got to reckon that we're dead to sin and live to God. 
Can I say this morning, you don't feel like you're dead. Now, now I know some of us have gotten up in the morning, I'm dead tired. But literally, you're sitting here this morning. You're breathing. You're looking. You're not dead. Amen. Amen. If you are, then raise your hand. That way I can get an ambulance out here. But uh, he said, hey, you've got to reckon yourself that you're dead to sin, uh, but alive unto God. And we might feel like we're dead. We might feel like it, but it's talking spiritually. Galatians 2.20 said, uh, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He's talking about, hey, I was crucified. Christ died on the cross. They hung him on the cross. He was dead. They took him down and put him in the tomb. And third day he got up again. He says, I am crucified with Christ, but yet I live. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loveth me and gave himself for me. The Bible says, I am reckoned myself to be on the cross. He took my place. We're to reckon that we are on that cross. It's our sins. And Christ died for our sins. You ought to reckon yourself to be on that cross this morning. He said, but nevertheless, I'm alive. I am dead with Christ. And as I reckon that I am alive also unto God. I'm dead that way. But I'm alive that way. There, there's got to be some reckoning that goes on in your life in order to, to have the requirements to get over this flesh to help you live the Christian life till its fullest that you can walk without having stumble and fall. We make mistakes, but let me tell you, we don't have to get drowned in sin this morning. You may have walked in this morning feeling lower than a belly snake this morning. Thinking, I am not worthy to even pray. I, I'm not even worthy to call on the name of God this morning. I'm not even worthy to enter the throne room of God and the grace of God. I'm not even worthy of that because I feel so worthless. In fact, you are. But it's not because of who you are. It's because who's inside of you. Paul said, that I can't live this Christian life. And you can't live this Christian life. But the fact said that God has given you the power and the ability to do it if you want to. If you want to. The problem with many Christians today, they rely so much on feelings instead of facts. I, I, if I feel good, I'm a Christian, but uh, hey, if I don't feel right, I, I'm not a Christian. You need to rely on the facts that Christ died for you. He rose on the third day. That is fact. It's not feelings. You've got to believe and trust by faith. There's got to be a reckoning in your life in order to live this Christian walk. Verse number 12. I'm going to get to the message, I promise you. I just got to get this off my heart. 
Verse number 12 is said, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Not only there must be a reckoning to fight the flesh, but there must be a reigning if you're going to fight the flesh. Do you understand this this morning? Let everybody look up here. You understand every one of y'all are reigned and controlled by something. Every one of you. Well, I'm a child of God. If you've professed that, you ought to start acting like that. But every one of us are reigned and controlled by something this morning. It's either God or it's either the devil. There ain't no such thing as serving two masters. The Bible tells us you love one, hate the other. There's no such thing as joint reignship in your life. Although there are Christians who act like that. There's no such thing. You either love God and hate the world or love the world and hate God. That's the only way it is. That's the only choices you have in this life. There must be a reigning in your life this morning. You've got to say, hey, I love God, hate the world. And we read it this Sunday school this morning, how the love of God is in you. Then you love the brother, you hate the world. Somebody in your life is calling the shots. And can I say this? It ain't you. Amen. You might think you're in control, but it ain't you. Somebody in your life is calling shots in your life. There must be a reigning. There must be somebody ruling your life. It's either Christ or it's the devil. Let me say this. In every Christian, there's a throne and there's a cross. And if you're on the throne... Then Christ is on the cross. But if Christ is on the throne, then you're on the cross. Y'all get that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want you to get this this morning. Every Christian life has a throne and a cross. If you're sitting on your throne, that means you're controlling everything. That means Christ is still on the cross in your life. We've gotten that point. We've, Christians have gotten that point. I, I want to be in control. I want this. I, I need that. I want this. I, I need to be in control. But until you let Christ reign in your life, say, hey, I need to be on the cross and let Christ be on the throne of my heart. And until you do that, you're going to live a messed up life. Your life is going to be messed up. You're going to be wondering and whining. You're going to, all these things are happening. You've got to have some reigning in your life. You've got to have God get a hold of you. Is he the Christ or is he Satan? Listen, you're not going to get rid of sin. You're going to battle sin all your life. 
you're going to battle sin till the day you die. Amen. You're, you're not going to get rid of sin. We make mistakes, but you're never, ever going to get rid of sin until Christ comes back. And when you see him face to face, that's when sin is over with. You're never going to get rid of sin in this world. So if you can't get rid of it, you need to learn how to combat it. That you don't make those states. That you don't let the old man come up and rise up in your life and control your life. That's what you need to learn to do. There must be a, 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 a reckoning. There must be a yielding in your life. Verse number 13. This is where I want to get to. Neither yield ye your members as instruments. Now, we're one body. We're one body, but you've got a lot of members. You've got your fingers, you've got your eyes, you've got your nose, you've got your ears, you've got your feet, you've got your heart, you've got your brain. You, you, you've got a lot of members of your body. It says, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from dead and your members are instruments of righteousness unto God. If you're going to win the struggle, not only there has to be a reckoning, not only there has to be a reigning, but there must be a relinquishing this morning. He said twice, yield. Yield yourself. That word yield means to place a person or thing at someone else's disposal. He said, neither yield ye your members. He's talking about your body parts. He's talking about your one body, but many instruments, many members. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as though they're alive and dead, as your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. I'll see if I can get this through. This piano is an instrument. It's an instrument. It just sits here. It doesn't do anything. In fact, this piano, all it does is yield itself to whoever. Hits the keys. Whoever hits the keys. It, it, it cannot play itself. It, it cannot get up and move. It cannot do anything. But it totally, 100% yields itself to whoever sits down behind it. And the piano says, I yield myself to you. That's God saying, hey, yield yourself unto me. Paul said that everybody's life in here, your life is an instrument. Your body is an instrument. And somebody's playing everybody in here. You ever heard that phrase being played like a fine-tuned fiddle? You ever heard somebody says the world they're being played? That just means somebody's controlling them. That means somebody's got reign over them. That means somebody has took control of their life, their body, their soul, their heart, their mind, and they're doing what they want them to do. And Paul said, hey, everybody here is going to have to fight that. You're either being played by Christ or you're either being played by the devil. That's, that's just it. 
Listen here, everybody's life in this morning is making some kind of tune. I love the phrase they use, every member of his instruments. And I thought about tunes, I thought about music, I thought about songs. And he said everybody's life is being played and everybody's life is making some kind of tune this morning. So let me ask you this. What tune is your life playing this morning? You say, well, I, I don't understand what you're talking about. Hey, it's very easy. If the devil is playing your song, if you're living for the devil, I tell you what, I know what you're saying. Everybody, let me just say this. There are those Christians that play this tune. I've got the blues. That's all. That song, that song somebody did me somebody wrong song. That's all you hear out of them. That's all comes out of them. If somebody done me wrong, I've been through this, I've been through that. They playing the blues all the time. Many Christians are like that. They're playing the blues because they're being played by something other than God. They sing the blues all the time. Y'all met them. I've met them. I've seen them sitting in church. And there are probably some sitting in church today. Oh, well, with me. Oh, oh, it's me. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know my struggles. God does. But I know who's plucking your heart. I know who's pulling your strings. Amen. He, he said, there's some Christians today that plays the song of blues this morning. That's all they do is blue. All they're having is problems in your life. And let me just say this. I know every one of us go through problems. I know we all face some things in this life. But you ain't got to sit there and go, why, 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 why? You can say, hey, thank God I've got a Lord Jesus Christ in my life. I know where I'm going. It ought to bring joy into your life somewhere or somewhere that you know that you're a child of God on your way to heaven. Stop crying the blues. I know where I'm going. How about you? Well, somebody ran over my dog. Somebody took my wife. It really hurt me when they took my truck. That's all you get out of a lot of Christians today. It's crying the blues. I'm telling you, there's something better in this life than crying the blues. You've got a home in heaven. He says, I go to prepare a place. If I go to prepare a place, I'll come again. I'm looking for that day. I'm looking for him to come again. I don't need to sit around. I understand that things going on in our life that makes us upset. I understand there's life the time that we're down. And let me just say, we talked about last week, we can't be on that spiritual roller coaster. I can't be down tonight and be up tomorrow. Now, I can't do that. I've got to just understand I'm wrecking myself dead to sin. I'm wrecking myself dead to this body. I am alive in Christ. I am going to heaven. Thank God. That ought to bring joy in your life this morning. Amen. We're dead. Why, why, why? Singing the blues. Paul said, I've made my mind up that the sounds that come out of my life are going to be praises unto God. Praises unto God. Why? Because he deserves it. He bought me. He paid for me.
if he paid for you, he bought you, then he deserves the praise from you. So don't let these blues get you down. Just start singing the praises of God. I, I find this too a lot of times when you just don't feel right. Just start praising God. Start praising God. And boy, let me tell you what, as soon as you start praising God and you feel it down here, it'll start coming out here. And next thing you know, the world can pass by. I'm just going to praise God. There's some that's singing the, the beat of the blues in the life this morning. And I'm talking about Christian people. And there are some people that their tune is beat to the beat of sin. And I'm talking about Christians this now. I'm talking about what their life produces. When you look at their life, what their life is, every part of their life is the same tune as the world. Can I say this? As a child of God, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, you cannot hold the hand of Jesus and hold the hand of the world. You're going to have to let one go. You're going to have to let one go. A lot of people singing the tune. Let me just say this. Let me be honest with you. If I don't reel this flesh in, you know what I'd listen to? CCR. I'm telling you. I love that old southern rock and roll. Can't stand country, but I love, am I, I, I'm telling you, ACDC. I would, I'm telling you, if I didn't crank this flesh in, I'll be singing, on a highway to hell. But you know what? There's a lot of Christians that are singing that song this morning. Because they're playing the beat of sin in their life. And they're on that highway. You've you got to rein it in. Let me tell you what. I, I love gospel music. I, I find refuge in gospel music. But don't get me wrong. If I didn't rein the flesh in, if I didn't bring it under control, there would be other things in my life dictating and controlling me. I've got to control it myself. I've got to get help from God to control this old man inside of me. You look at the lives of a lot of Christian people. And you could tell who's controlling their life. They're, they're playing. Old preacher years ago had a revival meeting. And he made this statement in this revival meeting. And I'm talking about back in Billy Sunday's days. He made this statement. Revival's going to end on a Friday night. And on Thursday night he made this, this statement. You come back tomorrow night, and I'm going to tell you exactly why I am not going to hell. Well, it went all through town. Everybody said, hey, this man going to come and tell him exactly how he knows he's not going to hell. Friday night, come rolling around. Next thing you know, the church was packed out, fuller than it has ever been. People came, they want to hear how this man knew exactly how he was not going to hell. 
He sat on the pulpit up there and everybody was doing a singing. Everybody's at tents. They were sitting on the edge of the seat. He stood up to the pulpit. He walked over there. He says, I guess y'all all here to find out why I know I'm not going to hell. Everybody moved to the edge of their seat in the pews. Very attentive. Want to know how he knew he wasn't going to hell. He paused for a moment and everybody, and he walked back up to Mike and says, the reason why I know I'm not going to hell, I ain't heading that way. I'm not heading that way. Are you heading that way? I know I'm not going to hell because I'm not heading that way. Too many Christians are living a life. Hey, they sit in church and praise God, but yet when they walk out the door, they go out and they live for the world and live for the devil every day. And Sunday morning, they come right back down and sit in church. Oh, praise God. Bull feathers. You cannot hold the hand of the world and serve God. One's got to go. You got to give one up. And too many Christians today are deciding to give God up. Look at the world we got today. I could give you some sights to go on and let you see what the devil is doing in this world today. And people are falling to it. There are preachers today that are living for the devil and serving the devil and yet people sit in the pulpits. Praise God. Praise God. You can't serve both masters. I'm getting to the message. I'm getting there. I'm getting to it. What tune is your life playing this morning? What tune is your life playing this morning? You know, you, you could turn on a radio station and it's just by the sound of the music you know what kind of music it is. Let's just put it this way. Country music has a sound of its own. I, I, twang, I don't you, When it comes, you know it's country music. Rock and, rock and roll has a sound of its own. Reggae has a sound of its own. And there's some out there, I don't know what they are. I, they told me it's a head-banging music. If I had to listen to it, I'd bang my head. I know that. I don't know what it is. Every one of us, our life is playing a tune this morning. It's playing a tune. And what kind of tune are you playing? And, and you know what? If you can tell the radio when you turn it on, that now, yeah, I got it now. You know, it's, it's some part of the country. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but you turn on the radio and the country music comes on, you know it's country. Can I say this? Every one of us can look at somebody else and say, What tune are you playing? We can. We're, we're beating the world of blues. Somebody did me somebody wrong song. I don't know. I don't know. Is, that, is that what it is? And then we beat, we beat to the sin of the world on the highway to hell. 
Paul said, Paul said, my tune is the beat of the Savior, of the Savior. When you hear my music, when you hear my tune from my life, it's all going to be about the Savior. You're saved. Your body is His instrument. It's not yours. It's His instrument. We just read Romans 6.13. Your body is His instrument. If your body is His instrument, is He getting to play is he getting to play anything in you? You profess to be a child of God. And you say, hey, I'm a child of God. I love the Lord. But is God able to play anything in you because you are his instruments? You can't, like I said, you cannot hold the world's hand in the hand of Jesus. I don't want to sound critical or cynical or just like I don't like them, which I don't like them. There, there are some people who sing gospel music that I will not listen to. I, I will not listen to. Well, why? They're singing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. You're right. And when I hear that, when I hear Amazing Grace, it just brings something out of me. But when I know you, the lifestyle that you live, and you want to get up in front and sing, Amazing Grace, and leave from there and go to the bar. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. There's one song out today that I, I just can every time it comes on, I turn it. I, I will turn it to a country song before I listen to that. Because I know the lifestyle. I know what they live. And I can't listen to that. I can't buy into that everybody that sings how great thou art believes how great thou art. I can't buy into it. And there's a lot of country music. You know the reason why some of these people make gospel albums? Because mama or daddy got behind them and said, hey, we really love for you to make an album of gospel music so we can go to our church and tell everybody our son and our daughter uh, sings gospel music. This is their album. Why don't you go out and buy it? Okay. That's all it is. They don't feel what they're singing. I, I'm telling you what, we, we got singers and when they get up and sing, they feel what they're singing. They know who they're singing about. Amen. Paul says, my life is to play the beauty of the Savior. He said, listen, my life is worth nothing until Jesus grabbed a hold of my life and played the sad songs of this world. Uh, my life was suppressing the tune of a man uh, going to hell that was religious. That's the way I was. I didn't know God. I knew of him, but I hadn't met him. I, I knew religion, and I was on my way to hell. But Paul said, hey, same thing I could say. There was a time that I went down to the altar, and he reached down. Oh, praise God, and he touched me. And now I sing the praises of God. He touched me. Oh, He touched me. Woo! What joy 
that flooded my soul. He put a new tune in my heart. The Bible says he put a new tune in my mouth. Praise God. I'm no longer singing the blues. I'm no longer singing the sins of the world. I'm singing the praises of God today. The joy of God. I'm praising, singing the praises of my lovely Savior this morning. Amen. You know this morning... You may be here this morning saying, "My, I was nothing but a worthless instrument, good for nothing on my way to hell." One day, the God of glory reached down and touched me, touched my life, cleansed me up, and now I play that new tune in my life. I no longer sing the tune of the world. Sing that song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, I love that song. Amazing Grace, I love that song. I, I was once blind, but now I see. I was once lost, but now I'm found. And, and I tell you, when somebody sings those songs, you can look at their life and say, hey, they mean that. That's exactly what they're singing about. They were lost. Uh, they were blind. And Jesus came into life and now they can see it. Uh, you can see it in the lives of those people. But when you see somebody sing it and go out to the bar the next day, that ain't right. You're being played. You're serving the wrong master. Somebody gets a hold of this this morning. I'm telling you what, y'all come back tonight. God has got, God's been dealing with me on a lot of things. And tonight's really going to be a hard one. Really. Really going to be a hard one. I'm telling you. We got to get right. I, I see the things that's going on in this world. I see what's happening in this world, how the devil is controlling a lot of things. I see how the devil is starting to influence churches today. Influence the preachers of God today. I see how the devil is starting to influence them. Oh, we could just do this and we can allow this. And let me tell you what, you allow the world to come in, set up and camp in your church. You invite everything that's out there to come in to take root and start growing and festering in the church. You cannot do that. This is God's house. Jesus went into the temple and they were changing money and they're selling doves and things. And Jesus went in there and cleaned them out. Got rid of them, whipped them. You've turned my father's house of prayer into a den of iniquity. And let me tell you what, there are a lot of dens of iniquity sitting around with the name of church on the outside out there because they're playing a different tune than that of the Savior. Amen. I guess y'all fire me after today. But mark this down, every one of us is playing a tune this morning. And, I, and you can know we can look at each other and see what tune we're playing. You know who you are. You know what tune you're playing. Can I say this? And I'm not, I, don't, I don't mean to be mean about it. I just want to get your heart right. If you made a confession when you was a child and you've never walked away of God, I'd get back and I'd really get a hold of God. I'll ask God, Lord, I, I've been playing the wrong tune all my life. 
I, 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 been thought I, I thought I was playing the tune of you, but I find out that I'm not playing the tune. I, I find out you're not controlling me. I'm still on the throne of my life, and you're still on the cross. That's where a lot of Christians are sitting at today, still sitting on their throne. And they still got Jesus on the cross. And until you can swap that place, until you get on the cross and let Christ on the throne of your life, you're going to be playing a different tune than that of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I sing a different tone. Paul said, they have no temptation taken in you such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. There is sin out in this world. There is temptations out in this world. It is easy. It is easy to trip, stumble, and fall. You mean I can fall? I can. You better believe it. I've failed. You better believe it. I've tripped. I've stumbled. I ain't always been where I should be. Now I can tell you right here now, I'm not what I should be right now. There, I might stumble tomorrow. I'm not going to lay there. I'm going to let God pick me back up and I'm going to keep moving on. And I'm going to put it behind me. I'm just going to put it behind me. I'm not going to dwell on it. Paul says there's no temptation that's been taken unto you, that Christ has not already made a way for you to escape this thing. And Paul says, I die daily. What do you mean, Paul? That means you've got to get up in the morning and say this. And I've stopped saying this. I don't know why I've stopped saying it, but I'm going to have to start saying it again. Crucify me, Gordon. Crucify Jimmy. Because if you don't crucify Jimmy, Jimmy's going to take control. Jimmy will start making decisions that Jimmy should not make decisions of. Paul says, I die daily. I die daily. Until you start saying, Lord, I need to die to self every day. Every day. It's not just on Sunday morning when I put on my Sunday best and come to church and, and play the game. I, I raise my hand. I, I sing the songs. But I need to die tomorrow morning when I get out of bed. Tuesday morning when I get out of bed. Wednesday morning. I need to die daily. Not just a one time a week thing, but every day. Because if you don't, flesh is going to rise up. You never got it beat. Flesh, let me just say, you have never got the flesh beat. You know when you got it beat? When they lower you into the grave. Amen. But long as there's breath in your body, the flesh is going to be there. And it's going to rise up. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. The flesh. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. I'm glad I said that. Because some of us think we're super spiritual. We've got that big old S on our, shoulder, on our chest. doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Flesh will rise up. Paul says, I die daily. Until you die daily. Until you die daily. The only way to have victory in this Christian walk, the only way to overcome the flesh it's got to be a reckoning. It's got to be a relinquishing. You've got to sing the tune of the Savior every day. Let us stand.